Hello, and welcome to episode four of Mo Money Mo Houses, the personal finance podcast with a dash of sass. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. And today, my guest, I'm very excited to interview her. She's a very, very good friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie Williams. And we go way back. We go, I'd say, about almost a decade now. Um, became friends in university and just kind of kept that friendship going, I guess. And today I'm going to talk to her about a couple of things, including um, her frugal lifestyle, her minimalist lifestyle, but also how she manages to afford to travel for half the year every year. And that also includes not working for half the year. So it's pretty interesting. Um, just a few um, things before I get into the uh, show. Um uh, thank you uh, for everyone who's listened to the first three episodes that I launched on June 3rd. Super um, excited about the launch and I got some really great feedback. So thank you so much for that. Um, also, I don't think I mentioned this in uh, the first couple of episodes, but I do uh, um, do some blog posts or show notes um, for each episode. So if ever you want to get some more details about each episode, um, and I always include links that I mention. Um, in these uh, blog posts, just check out momoneymohouses.com slash podcast. There's a list of every single episode with links to the show notes. Also, for every episode, it's very easy to find that particular episode's show notes. All you have to do is go say it's episode one, momoneymohouses.com slash one. So for this, since this is episode four, just check out momoneymohouses.com slash four. Super simple. All right. So let's get into it. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on the program. Um, let's kind of start off with uh, what do you do? What do you do for a living? Uh, I work for a nonprofit called Best, Better Environmentally Sound Transportation. I'm now the general manager. Um, I started in October 2009 as an intern and kind of worked my way up. Um, and the primary thing I do is run a program called the Bicycle Valet, mm -hmm. which is free and safe bicycle parking for events. And it used to be quite seasonal in nature mm -hmm. and kind of run. I remember from... when it first started, I was one of the volunteers. Ah, I don't <laughs> okay, just for that. one candidate. Yeah. It was one candidate. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so like our season used to be from April to October. So I would take off November to March. And it was pretty fantastic. Uh, now as it's kind of grown at a crazy rate, mm -hmm. um, and now I've taken over more um, of a general role in the organization. Um, last year I was able to take off two months, and I'm not sure this year, but uh, I guess I'm just growing up. Yeah, I know. We're getting old, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, okay, so yeah, one of the, I think the coolest, I mean, your job is pretty cool. Like you get to work for a nonprofit that's all about like making Vancouver a more sustainable city, which is awesome. And it's really, it was really cool to see, and it is to see, especially like the Bicycle Valet program just growing because yeah, it was seasonal and now it's, like, what was that number? I know it was on Instagram that you said, like, how many bikes you've parked. I don't um, know if you know that. Well, we started in 2006 parking, like, a couple hundred bikes. Last year, we parked 22,000. But wow. the big milestone was that, cumulatively, we hit 100,000 without having any lost or stolen. So we were pretty excited about that. That's amazing. And, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know about Bicycle Valley, though I know there is Bicycle Valleys in other uh, cities, um, basically it's just a way for you to ride your bike to an event or something like that and not lock it up, you know, somewhere, but have someone 
basically monitor it so it doesn't get stolen. So which will encourage obviously more people to ride their bikes instead of driving their cars. It's just like a coat check for bikes. Exactly. And it's free. And it's free. That's the coolest thing. Um, so another, I guess, cool thing about your job is because, you know, I guess it started out seasonal. So that would mean that you would have a lot of free time during those kind of downward times. So, and in those times you decided to travel. Yeah. Well, it was nice because the summer obviously is nice weather Mm -hmm. when all the events are on. So that's when I'd have to work. Um, and then basically there wasn't a lot of work for me the first few years. Mm -hmm. So I made an agreement with my boss at the time and yeah, I'd go away from November to April, usually to warm places Mm -hmm. and cheap places. So Mm -hmm. I could do it and, uh, usually sublet my room, which helped Mm -hmm. and went traveling. So where, what was your first trip, I guess? Well, my first trip was actually uh, pre-BEST, mm-hmm. um, which was right after I graduated, like mm-hmm. a week after I graduated from university. I went on a six-month trip starting in uh, uh, New Zealand mm-hmm. and then to Australia and then another three months in Southeast Asia. And then I ended up working about a year and then going on a six-month trip to Central and South America. No, that's wrong. I went to <laughs> Southeast Asia again for yeah. six months. Then I worked another six months, then went to Central America for five months, mm-hmm. worked for seven months, went to Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, England. Right. I worked for another, I don't know, eight months. And then I went to Colombia and Ecuador. Yeah, that's right. And then I worked for another while and I just went to India. And oh, I just want to mention if any of you guys are interested in Stephanie's travel, she has a blog now, which I'm yeah. so excited about. Yay, Thanks, blog. Jess. <laughs> I may have helped her with the blog, yeah. um, but it's called borderlinecrazyblog.com. So you guys should check it out because she has some crazy adventures. But I guess like you've honestly almost been everywhere. I guess the next continent is like Africa. Africa. That's got to yes. be it. Yes, it is it. It is it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. So I guess one thing most people would probably wonder is, you know, it's great to have the opportunity to have six months off a year, but that also means that you're not working during those months. So which is awesome, which, which is great, but you're also not getting paid. So how do you make it? How do you afford to travel for six months out of the year and not work for six months out of the year? Because I feel like most people would just be like, I can't do that. I can't afford to travel. That's, you know, one of the, like I wrote a blog post a while ago about how you're never too broke to travel because it's all about prioritizing and, you know, managing your money. So how did you make that, you know, possible? Well, I think you're right. Like travel is kind of my number one priority, uh, or at least it has been. Um, But the first thing I tell people is that it depends on where you travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not traveling to Europe for six months. No kidding. Yeah. Um, My latest trip in India it was cheap. Really cheap. Like, yeah, we, I was traveling with um, another girl I'd met on my last trip in the mm-hmm. Galapagos Islands. So that always makes it cheaper if you're traveling with someone. True. Because every once in a while in Asia, you can find like single rooms. But for the most part, at least in India, you're paying per room. So you divide that in half. Well, yeah, it's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're sharing cabs or I guess they're like three wheelers or rickshaws or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. Everything's cut in half in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um so that makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, India, like I probably spent like 
not including flights and such, just like per month, a thousand dollars a month, and we were like, oh my splurging. gosh, that's crazy. We like and you were having a good time doing all the things oh, that yeah. you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, in other trips, I would like go out for lunch and like careful not to order like a Coke or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but here it was like, no, let's have a lemon soda every meal. And mm-hmm. like we ate what we wanted. Um, so, you know, and we stayed in nicer places. Like one time we even stayed in the, like a $70 hotel, Ooh. which I've never done in the past. Fancy. We went on a houseboat that cost oh. us like each, I don't know, 70, maybe a hundred bucks a day. Mm-hmm. So it was like, fairly expensive. We yeah. did that for three days. So like we splurged and it was yeah. still probably only a thousand dollars a month. So, I mean, I look at going to Vegas, a thousand dollars in four days. Exactly. I'm going to New Orleans for a stay at, I'll be spending $1,500 yeah. in four days. So yeah, it's I mean, all about where you go really. Yeah. So that's a big part of it is where you go. The other thing is when I go traveling, I really don't drink a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I drink a lot at home, <laughs> um, just because you're at home. Yeah, exactly. Um, but when I go away, I have so many other things to keep me occupied, and I usually go to hot places because they're mm-hmm. generally cheaper. But also, I want to go somewhere hot to escape the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to be hungover, and you get hungover, you get dehydrated so quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's like so many things to get up for and go see. You don't want to um, waste any days by feeling You don't want to waste any days any more than you're already going to waste yeah. because you're going to be sick from food. Definitely. Um, <laughs> and water. So, um, And then like in India, the culture is not drinking anyways. So that saves a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when the beers are a dollar, exactly. it adds, it adds up, up. It adds and, up um, So that's, yeah, that helps as well. Um, the other thing is I because... Because my job was basically managing a program for parking bikes at events, the early years I really had to be on site a lot. Mm -hmm. So most of our events were on weekends, which Mm -hmm. is when all your friends that work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, have days off. Mm -hmm. So I was working often like 12-hour days on these weekends, and then I'd like maybe get to the bar for one drink, or I'd just Mm -hmm. come home, have a beer, and go to bed. So Mm -hmm. I really didn't have a lot of the chance to spend a lot of money. Yeah. And then I take like a Monday or Tuesday off and what are you going to do? You do some errands. Exactly. You cook, you do some laundry, right? Um, So that made a big difference. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it has to do with, I guess, your job and just the lifestyle that you want to lead. Like kind of, we talked about this earlier, not in the podcast, but it was in person. Um, (laughs) Just how you don't really necessarily um, save or like make it, oh, I have to save this much money or budget. It's just kind of, it comes naturally to you just because you you just don't buy that much stuff. That's not like a priority for you to buy a bunch of stuff. I hate shopping. Yeah. I well, really, it's really kind of, hate shopping. That is awesome because shopping just is like just, it's no good for anybody. No, we actually, um, I have the last... Five years, my family on my dad's side has been doing this annual shopping trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we go down to the States, so like a couple hours away that, you know, has is notoriously cheap shopping. The dollar's a little bit low right now, but we're still going to go. And I basically just like spend the maximum you're allowed to spend as a Canadian, which I don't mm-hmm. know right now is like... I think it's like $800. Uh, yeah, maybe. You know, I think it went... 
Yeah, it used to be four hundred. Yeah. Now it's maybe up to six or something. Yeah. So I spend usually about I don't know five hundred dollars, but including groceries and stuff. Right. And uh, and I just do that for the year. Um, and then when I'm like traveling, like I'm only using clothes for six months of the year. Exactly. The other times I buy clothes in India or wherever you are, mm-hmm. and you wear very different things. But uh, I'm also, to be fair, lucky to have a job, nonprofit. You don't really have to dress up. Yeah, it's pretty cash. I wear jeans, and you know, yeah. if I really dress up, I put on a blazer. So. Yeah, you're wearing basically street clothes, so you don't mm-hmm. have to get a separate wardrobe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's also one of the reasons that I'm able to pay you less, <laughs> uh, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, I don't have to spend money on work clothes, so mm-hmm. that really that helps. save a lot. The other thing is I work for a nonprofit promoting sustainable transportation. Exactly. I don't own a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually owned a car. I was given a car by my grandpa when he passed away mm-hmm. um, when I was 19 or 20. And I had the car for one year. It was I sold it for $400 in the end. So it okay. was obviously worth a lot of money. <laughs> um, but the insurance on it was 1700 a year wow. when I had a universal transit pass mm-hmm. that I had to pay for anyways. And then gas and that kind of stuff. And so I... I actually did the math one day before I even had dreams of this job yep. and was like, I can either keep this car or I can go traveling. Exactly. And they say the average car in Canada, the stats are that it costs you $10,000 a year when you um, account for depreciation, yep. maintenance, gas, insurance. So $10,000 a year, well, that's a lot more than I spend on any of my trips. Exactly. Now cars are really expensive, which is why? Like, I didn't even realize it wasn't even necessarily a choice. It was more just like I've always lived in a city and having a car made no sense because there's nowhere to park it, honestly. That's yeah. the main reason. Like, there's nowhere to put it. Um, and it, usually traffic in the city is terrible, but my husband has a car and has always had he, – he always needs one for work, which is fine. But I just see how much – money has to dedicate for a car like insurance is crazy expensive in ontario then there's gas and he still doesn't even because it is so expensive especially like gas and everything he like if he doesn't need to use his car he won't he'll like you know take transit or whatever and i've used transit i think probably for the last five years or something like that and honestly i've I've never had an issue i mean i'd probably have a bigger issue if I lived further away from my work mm-hmm. but uh but that's a choice it's a choice yeah so it's you know it's one of those things it's like yeah I could live in a suburb and uh, you know have a nicer bigger place but then I'd have to have the commute to work and in order to do that commute I probably have to own a car yep um so I choose to kind of live closer to my work and then my rent's more expensive and I live in a smaller probably older place than I could if I live somewhere else but I really like having that flexibility of being so close to work and not having to own the car. And I, I do, I mean, I pay a fair bit still for um, transit. I mean, I think the a TTC monthly pass is like 140 bucks now. Oh, wow. But one upside is it is tax deductible. So, right. Uh, whereas yeah. ours are the monthly passes. I never buy a monthly pass pass because mm-hmm. I mostly ride my bike and the tickets you can't deduct from, yeah, I know. which is super annoying. Yeah. But it's $90 for one zone pass here. Um, I don't know. I calculate my average transportation costs. I mean, I do car sharing. We now have four right. car shares in Vancouver, uh, which is pretty amazing, actually, um, including the first one like ever in North America. Yeah. Um, so I use that occasionally. I take transit if it's pouring rain, which probably ends up being as often. (laughs) Actually, you'd be surprised. I have a rule where if it's not raining when I leave the house, Mm -hmm. I ride my bike. Okay. 
Because I don't care riding home. Yeah, it's whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't even need rain gear. You don't. Mm-hmm. Who cares? And my ride is like 18 minutes. It's not yeah, that's extensive. Nothing. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, they say the happiest commute, like whatever mm-hmm. will make you the happiest, is 17 minutes, no matter what mode of transportation. Really? Eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, no, that's a better commute than I have. I mean, I literally, if I showed you on a map where I live compared to my work, it looks really close, but it's actually like a 40 minute commute just because the subway is just crazy jam packed. And I, I like travel right when it's like rush hour for people, but still it is a better commute than if I'd like live somewhere further away. And I, it's not that bad. You get used to it. No, it's still not bad. It's what not I like bad. about biking is it's just consistent. Exactly. Like every day it's pretty much within a minute. Whereas, like, the bus, if you miss the bus, you might have to wait an extra 10 minutes. No, it's true. Or, or driving is, like, you well, never know. I take know. this subway oh, every day. And there's literally right. almost That's every day there's some kind of delay. It's right. insane. But, yeah. no, biking actually in Toronto is becoming or is, like, in, I wouldn't say as popular as Vancouver, but it is in becoming summer, more popular. I just personally it. find, like, um, Josh does bike quite a bit in, in the summer. but. Yeah. First, it's like the winter is so crazy. Yeah. People still bike. I have no idea how because like the wind hurts your face. Like how do you bike in that? But but it's also icy and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how people do it. Just like the traffic in Toronto is crazy. I could never feel safe. To, they need you know, some more dedicated they, infrastructure. Absolutely. They really do. Makes Hopefully all the something will happen with that. But yeah. Get back to travel. Let's get back to travel. <laughs> so... Um, do you, what, I I don't know if you'd have these numbers in your mind or anything, but like, what is kind of the average price of your like trips? I guess it it depends depends on on what country you go to. I mean, or what region. What's the cheapest trip you've done? Cause you've kind of traveled almost everywhere. What's like kind of the. Southeast Asia is super cheap. It is. Um, you can spend money. You can spend as much as you want. You can spend as much as you want, but you can also like, you know, I stayed as cheap as $1 a night and you could eat for $1 a day. I mean, you're sleeping in a hallway, but you can do it or a hammock. Uh, but uh, honestly the average I spent often getting my own room, like it wasn't like Mm -hmm. nice or anything was five dollars a night mm-hmm. and then you're eating for like two to three dollars a meal mm-hmm. and beer is a dollar and transportation's generally a dollar an hour each mm-hmm. country i kind of figured out per hour yeah that's um, amazing yeah well like <laughs> malaysia is like three dollars an hour but you get nicer buses yeah india was like 50 cents an hour is oh super God. cheap but i mean but also really crazy really crappy yeah, yeah and you didn't have the um you didn't have an option of upgrading. <laughs> is, just it like, like, is it kind of like the movies where people just like, they just stuff as many people into a bus as to possible? To be fair, I was like in the South mostly, right. which is quite different than the North, I think. Um, uh, but I mean, like on the trains, right? The trains everywhere, they were built by the British right. you know, back in the day. And if you're a, Tourists generally, if you buy more than a day in advance, you can get a reserved seat. So you get like a sleeper class Mm -hmm. or a first class air conditioned or second class air conditioned. Basically, you just want a seat number. (laughs) That's what (laughs) you want. This is the goal. This is the goal. But if you go to the train station on the day of, you can't get a reserved seat. That's just like their policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the administration there is crazy. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so only one time did we do that. We showed up at the train like 20 minutes before it left, and we were like, we need a ticket. And they were like, well, we can only give you unreserved second class, uh-huh. which when you look at the car that's unreserved second class, it's a pile of men. Oh, my that's God. That's all it is. But like packed into these containers. And you're like, 
I can't actually go on to this train. Plus you have your huge backpack on that weighs, mm-hmm. you know, 10 kilos if mm-hmm. minimum, right? So, but they have this thing for tourists because they know you can't go on that. They're like, oh no, you just go to the reserve class and then when the ticket conductor comes around, you pay to upgrade. Oh, okay. Which they may or may not come around. But basically, because <laughs> they realize that you can't yeah. uh, go on. So, yes, there's parts of it where you're like, oh, I can't go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've also figured it out. Like, I remember New Year's, we were in Kochi in mm-hmm. Kerala. It's one of the, like, it's really well known for its New Year celebrations. Mm-hmm. And they have this thing on the beach, and they have this big, like, old man time burning, and it was a really cool experience. But on the beach is, like, probably twenty to 30,000 men. Wow. And you're like, where are all the women? And you don't really yeah. – you're kind of like, oh, that's, that's weird. weird. Yeah. And then these police are like, oh, you're white. Okay, <sighs> you go over here. And they have a roped-off section for the tourists. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because there's been problems. So anyways, we were, like, behind everything, and it was kind of cool. It was like being backstage, kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, So that was fine. And then, like, we talked to the guest house owner, who was a woman, woman, which was actually really nice to talk to. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, you went down to the beach for the New Year's celebration? We're like, yeah, but it was, like, cordoned off, and it was pretty cool. And she's like, oh, yeah, all the local women, we don't go. Oh. Because there's just always problems. Oh, really? Oh. So... Things are <laughs> lesson learned. Yeah, well, things worked out for you. I, I mean, to me, it's kind of crazy because that it's like, crazy. well, yeah. If, I don't know. I read a lot of like op eds yeah. and stuff in the local newspapers, and they were like, well, they're talking about segregating men and women at school, but that's just like a band aid solution, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have to learn how to. Well, I guess that kind of I just kind of makes me think because I feel like with a lot of those countries that are cheaper to travel in, there is also or seemingly so, more risk, or they seem more dangerous. Like, I remember, you know, a few years ago, if you said you're going to Columbia, people were like, uh, do you want to get shot by a drug lord? Like, that's a dangerous place to go. But actually, And you're lately, like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> yes I do. That's why I'm um, <laughs> But lately, it seems like that's actually kind of a hot place to go. Yeah. So, but still, I, I kind of wondered if, like, in your experience, because you are kind of going to lots of these cheaper places, lots of these places that where, like, North Americans kind of have this weird perception like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I don't know. It seems a bit dangerous or whatever. Like, what, what's your kind I of perspective on that? I mean, to be fair, that? in terms of like safety standards, they're lacking. Yes, that is but true. Actually. I also, one of the things I like about it is you might go on a hike and like whatever you're going to see isn't roped off. And you yeah. can actually like, not that I'm like disturbing it. But you don't have a glass wall in front of you. And I actually like the freedom of being in these places. And, like, if you have a little bit of money, someone will take you where you want to go. That's true. And I like that because there's this, like, entrepreneurial spirit where it's like here they're like, oh, no, you can't fit more than four people in a cab. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well – Let's fit try. as many as you can. Let's try. I mean, and I, I don't know. I really enjoy having that freedom from. Yeah. You still have the bureaucracy, but it's in a different way. And of course, there's corruption. And of course, this is being. You just like got to be smart and careful. Don't put yourself in, but, you know, situations where. Yeah, you know. I haven't had too many problems. There's always people looking out for you. The, the places that have been defined as the most dangerous. Like El Salvador, mm-hmm. um, Honduras had the number one murder rate in the world. El Salvador was number two. Wow. Um, <laughs> did you go to those places? Yeah. Oh, you did. <laughs> of course. Of course El did. Salvador, I loved. Yeah. And the people were so grateful to see tourists because 
Because no, everyone's afraid of going. Exactly. And, and they're not jaded, right? Yeah. You go to someone like Thailand and like, well, oh I've God. seen a million oh, tourists. Yeah. Um, or like Burma a few years yeah. back is when I went before they even opened up the country. And, you know, there was a bit of controversy because is your money going to the government? Right. They changed a lot of policies by the time I came in. So no right. money wasn't going. Yeah. And the people there were just like, thank you for being here. Please go tell everyone how wonderful yeah. it is. Um, we need more people. Mm-hmm. We want outside sources of yeah. information. Yeah. That sort of thing. I don't know. People just, it's, you know, you look at like Mexico, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, we can't go to Mexico other than all inclusive. And I still like talk to people. They're like, well, I'll go to Mexico, but I won't leave the resort. Well, yeah, so you're not, not really seeing Mexico. No, you're just seeing you're some random beach. I mean, you can be anywhere at that point. And to be fair, like, you know, I traveled in the south of Mexico a couple years ago and people were like, okay. You probably don't want to go to like the border of the states, like, you mm-hmm. know, really north. Yeah. Other than that, you're fine. Yeah. Like, and I mean, especially in Central American stuff where I'm not hanging out in the big cities, like mm-hmm. Guatemala City, to be fair. I remember taking a bus in, and then these people were like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm just going to this other town. I'm waiting for the other bus. Like, okay, do not leave the bus station. And these were local people. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like, do not cross the road. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay. But like, I'm not hanging out in these 10 million yeah. people cities that have no tourist sites. Yeah. I'm hanging out in these, like, beach towns or small yeah. if you go to villages the smaller kind of or villages. historic sites. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. No, it's and it's true. Like, I mean, the only kind of comparable thing is when I went to... Thailand, I never felt in danger. The only times I did was when we were in Bangkok late at night because there's just such a crazy amount of people and just cars everywhere and you just kind of, and you just don't really have an idea of where you are in the city and so it was, I don't think there was actually anything dangerous going on, but it's just like I don't know. I feel like we could get mugged just because of the volume of people and who knows who's out there. But whenever we went to one of the kind of smaller villages or beach places or whatever. It was like, fine, you know, and lots of people were like, Ooh, like, yeah. I, you know, lots of people I know were like, Oh, Thailand, you know, right. cause and, I mean, there are, I mean, yeah. you just gotta be smart. It's like, yeah. well, you know, yeah. If you're going to go to, I mean, some of the, like the party islands. Yeah. Be careful. Cause some of the parties well, that go maybe. on there are just like, well, you know, there's like drugs, there's, you yeah. know, secret cops and stuff. Oh, I, you just got to be smart I met about people it. all the time that were like, oh, I lost my iPhone and my camera and my passport. And I was like, well, why were you carrying them down yeah. to the beach? Why would, yeah, or why would you bring those? I don't think yeah. I brought anything valuable with me because I'm like, I mean, just in case something happens, I don't want to be like, oh, crap, I lost my really expensive laptop. I've I mean, had, uh, like, I had my credit card stolen in Latin America. I think that's the only thing I've ever had stolen. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, the other thing is I have a rule where the other thing I love about going to cheaper places is that I've totally gotten lost in the middle of the night by yep. myself or not. I get a cab. Yeah, exactly. You don't, and it you costs don't have- me all the $5 to get back to my hostel. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, I know there's places like I heard, you know, quite a few stories in Venezuela and stuff. Like when people, when I was in Colombia, people <clears throat> coming from Venezuela, like, yeah, you go to Venezuela, you're going to get kidnapped. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Other than that, um, you know, there are the. You're right, something could happen. But I could also be walking in Vancouver. And exactly. Could like, there's, you know, just as much chance of, you know, where, you know, how people are afraid to fly. Well, right. There's probably a bigger chance that you'll get struck a by way lightning or chance you're going to get into a car, car accident. accident. Exactly. So it's, you can't really live your life being afraid of yeah. these things because you may miss out on some really awesome experiences. The other thing I loved 
especially when I was doing six months on, six months off, is you just didn't have the time to acquire anything because I'd come home and I'd be like, well, what's the point of investing in this new TV or this new couch or like, I'm just going to be leaving again in six months. Exactly. I don't care. And uh, I love that. And I think when you're on the road for six months, living out of a backpack, so you literally have Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 kilos, you have three t-shirts, you just realize that you really don't need a lot. I mean, obviously you can get away with a lot more when you're backpacking, but you really are used to the minimal lifestyle. And then when you get home, you're just like, oh, nice bed. But yeah. Yeah. You realize, hey, this doesn't actually change my happiness in any way. No. Like for... A split second if you buy something new, ooh, that'd be fun. But otherwise, yeah. And you know what's funny that you say that just because when we had to sell all of our stuff here in Vancouver because we didn't want to bring that much, we just had like a carload of stuff, drove to Toronto, you know, we weren't really sure how long we were going to stay in Toronto. So we're like, well, let's not try to accumulate anything. Like we bought some furniture because we needed to. We had nothing. But otherwise, it's like literally I didn't buy books because I didn't want to bring a bunch of books back if we decide like, oh, this sucks. We're going to move back. Yeah, And so we've been really careful on not buying stuff. And it's been actually really nice. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I kind of wish we had like another side table or something like that. <laughs> but otherwise, it doesn't really change our happiness in other way. If anything, it's kind of nice not having a bunch of stuff to clutter your house or I don't know, just anything. And, and yeah. another kind of like the first time I experienced that was when you know, I was 18 and went to Gambia as a volunteer. And yeah, I was pretty much living out of a backpack for the first time for two months. And when I came back, I was just so like, it just shocked me how materialistic everyone was. And and they didn't notice they were. It's not like they were doing it maliciously. It's just everyone just put so much importance on stuff. And because I'd be living out of a backpack for two months, I had, I had no idea why. Like, I'm like, I don't want that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel so free not having anything because it really means that kind of opportunities are limitless i can if i want to jump jump on a plane tomorrow yeah and it it's not like i'll have to oh figure out where to put all my stuff my roommate and i always joke that we leave the door open quite a bit because it's not you do like it's it's not a big deal well i mean my landlord's lived here for 40 years she's never had it broken into this is a safe Um, neighborhood this is a safe neighborhood yeah i guess um (laughs) but also like we're like okay so someone broke in what would they take exactly my eight-year-old laptop Mm. (laughs) Um, some beer in the fridge yeah i don't know (laughs) what they would take i mean to be fair when i moved in in. I moved in five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was with another friend. Our other friend had moved out. And so they, and our other friend had moved to Hawaii. So she was moving away. So she had like quite a bit of stuff, but she had acquired some stuff. Anyways, everything's basically like secondhand. Mm-hmm. And I've lived in the same place five years. The rent hasn't gone up, which has been really lucky. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't looked for a nicer place. And a lot of people who see this place are like, oh, it's fine. But I, I don't know. It's good enough. This and is like a, a typical Vancouver place, honestly, yeah. though. It yeah, really it's a character home. Yeah, it is. There's lots of character. But, and what I love about it is that we can have people over all the time and exactly. we don't worry about, oh, you spilt on the coffee table. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, yeah. It's nice. <laughs> well, I think, I think we're going to kind of wrap things up. Um Wow, we talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. This was really awesome Thanks that we could do that. You're welcome. Um, so just to plug Steph a little bit more before we go, she has her travel blog, which you can find at borderlinecrazyblog.com. 
And if you ever, if any of you are in Vancouver and you want to volunteer for Best or anything, so you can visit their website at best.bc.ca. Awesome. And yeah, we so, also have oh. the bicyclevalet.ca, which is kind of our main program that absolutely. I absolutely awesome. And they're also on Instagram too, aren't you? I'm following you guys on Instagram. Of course, of course I am. Yes. You've got great Instagram, photos. Facebook, Twitter, everything, usual social media awesome. stuff. Uh, yeah, cool. And you all know this, but if ever you want to learn more about myself, you can check my blog out at momoneymohouses.com and Twitter and Facebook and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mo Money Mo Houses, um, and stay tuned for the next episode. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.